Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'm here to bring you some thoughts on the Pelicans beating the Suns twice. Uh, Is this a new rivalry? Uh, I'm going to quickly talk about these two games and how important it was for the Pelicans to win both of the games instead of split them. Uh, And also, how impactful losing those two games in a row, uh, how impactful it is to uh, to the Suns right? Losing those two games. I also want to do a quick dive on the Chicago Bulls and everything surrounding them at the moment, um, which was sparked by me just watching uh, AJ Griffin hit another game winner, uh, the rookie for the Atlanta Hawks against the Bulls, right? Like what should the Bulls be doing about now just after just a big drop, right? After what they were able to do last season. Uh, But yeah, let's get right into it. So I'm going to start with game one of Pelican Suns, which was a really fun game to watch. Uh, It was close throughout 48 minutes. The Suns made a comeback as well, which was something I've been on them about uh, recently, right? But here's something important to note, which I thought was the most impressive part about the Pelicans win, right? In this first matchup between the two here, Uh, no Brandon Ingram for the Pelicans, right? So that's a lot of offense, taken away and still no Herb Jones which is a huge part of their defense also taken away so for the Suns there was no Cam Johnson though right which it does matter as he is an important role player for this team right but the Pelicans didn't skip a beat right so here are the stats for the Pelicans in this first of the two matchups right uh Trey Murphy uh not a not a big game for him, right? We've seen him pop off sometimes, right? Three points, three rebounds, right? Not really something to really look at there, right? But Zion Williamson, 35 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and a steal, right? Just absolutely dominating. And he dominated in these two matchups. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas doing Jonas Valanciunas things, right? 12 points, 10 rebounds, typical for him. Um, well, obviously CJ McCollum here, I'm reading 18 points, seven rebounds, five assists. He did his thing. Um, and then after that, you really just look down at the bench, right? Jose Alvarado had a big night, 20 points aside from getting the three steals, right? Uh, he got a rebound, grabbed two assists, obviously being the pest that he is defensively, which I will get into, um, you know, Larry Nance Jr., Big, big piece of this team's puzzle. 17 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals. He got a block, you know. Uh, It's just a lot of production on this team, right? And it can happen from anyone. And like I said, no Brandon Ingram, no Herb Jones. Those are two big pieces to their success. Um, I want to look at also the stats for the Suns, right? Mikhail Bridges. Uh, 11 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals. Uh, not as big of a game as he did in the, as he had in the second matchup. Uh, but we have Tory Craig, you know, 14 points. He had five rebounds, three assists, and the most important stat to me, right, this game after talking about DeAndre Ayton being so passive when he has mismatch opportunities. This was a good game for DeAndre Ayton. 25 points, 14 rebounds. Right, this is. The type of stat line that you want to see from DeAndre Ayton night in and night out for the most part, right? Like you want to see this happen in general, like give us a nice 
20 and 10, right? 20 and 12. In this case, 25 and 14. Devin Booker struggled in this game, right? 14 points, 7 assists, kind of struggled, right? Wasn't a big night for him, but Chris Paul... 24 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, and then you start looking down the line, and I see exactly what I noticed watching this game. The bench was kind of a no-show, right? You get 12 points from Damian Lee, which is solid, but then as you look down the line, you know, Cameron Payne, 5 points, uh, Okogi, or Okoji, sorry, uh, 3 points, you know, and then, and then that's it. You know, you see 9 points from Landell, but it's like, you know, I'm watching this game and I'm thinking to myself, you know, the bench has to show up, especially, um, you know, for this team, for the Suns, because the role players are so important, especially on a team with Chris Paul, because he is such a distributor of the basketball that you have a guy that likes to play make, you have to convert, right? Um, otherwise, you're just making his job a lot harder um, than it has to be, right? And so I'm looking at it, right? And after talking about such a disappointing game from DeAndre Ayton against the Celtics, it's good to see him back on track, like I said, with this performance, right? And like I said, no show from the bench, right? Which was really an anchor, right, to their attempt at winning this game. And it was a close game, very winnable game that I think if the bench had showed up just a little bit, um, this game probably could have been a W for the Suns. You know, Pelicans bench, super effective, really keeping the Pelicans lead up when the starters were resting. Uh, side note, right, about Jose Alvarado after watching this game. He's just, you know, we know about Jose Alvarado, right? He's that guy that when you go out and play pickup... <laughs> right? You see him out there or you see him show up and your whole mood has changed, right? Because now you know it's going to be a battle to get buckets, right? You just He's just one of those guys that's going to be in your airspace. He's never going to lose sight of you. He's going to do everything that other people are just too lazy to do, right? He is a winning player. He's the NBA's next generation Patrick Beverly, right? Just simply put, Right, but when he's also putting up points like he did in this game, 20 points, right? Not just being a solid defender and a pest on the ball and, and showing energy, but when he's scoring like this, it really enhances the Jose Alvarado experience, right? And also, we know the little battles between Alvarado and Chris Paul, right? And in this game, Chris Paul low-key elbowed uh, Jose Alvarado towards the end of the game, it was kind of like a little nudge, right? Just kind of showing, just kind of showing his frustration, right? Just how much Alvarado really bothers Chris Paul, right? Now, if you're Alvarado, you got to be thinking like, wow, I'm actually in Chris Paul's head this bad that he's going out of his way to do these little gimmicky frustration things, um, you know, because he's just upset he's had it with this guy, you know, um, just from the playoff series from before, you know, Alvarado really, you know, as a veteran point guard at this stage in Chris Paul's career, going up against guards like these that pick you up full court, they make you turn around and turn around and turn around, they don't give you any breathing room, they don't give you room for error, it has to be a nightmare, right? But I want to talk about Zion for a minute, right? Like, does anyone remember the rumors uh, going around about, you know, should the Pelicans trade him? You know, people all over different platforms talking about fake trades and making fun of his weight and that he was a potential bust that's never going to play games. 
This is exactly why David Griffin, uh, who's the vice president of basketball operations uh, for the Pelicans and the, and the rest of the front office, there's, this is exactly why they didn't decide to move Zion, right? Because he's a generational superstar talent when he's out there playing. You know, it's the same story with Joel Embiid. It's the same story with Anthony Davis and so many others in NBA history. Right, like there's just some players that are so good when they play that they really make you think twice about giving them up. Right, like watching Zion this season really reminds me of the unstoppable drives to the rim that a young LeBron would show, just completely destroying anyone in his way, right, like whenever he wants. And as of right now in his career, as the opposing team, you really want to force him to shoot, but if you give him space... He's what they call like a he's what they call a space eater right now, which is someone like a Grant Hill back in the day or like a young LeBron or even right now like a Giannis would do right where where they use the space that you give them to just uh, get more momentum as they get downhill. Right. And they attack the rim regardless. So it really takes a full team effort to defend players like this. And I'm and I'm and I'm listening to the broadcast. Right. Like you start to hear the broadcasters. Oh, they got to build that wall. They got to build that wall. Right. You heard that time and time again um, against Giannis. Right. More recently, um, you know, teams building up walls to kind of just wall off. Uh, the painted area, right? But it doesn't work with these types of players. They're just so dominant, right? Um, and, you know, these players tend to see the most success when they're surrounded by shooters, right? Because when I talked about it uh, before, right, when guys like this attack the basket, they demand so much attention that it sucks in the defense and it leaves shooters wide open, right? Every possession. So speaking of Zion, right, in the final three to five seconds of this game, it was like, it was 126 to 117, right, in favor of the Pelicans, and Zion throws down a 360 dunk, right, as the clock winds down, so for some that aren't aware, right, this is, there's like this unwritten rule about scoring when the game is already decided, right, like when the game's already over, right, when the game's over, but there's still seconds left, there's an unspoken rule that states it's sportsmanship to hold on to the ball, right? You, you dribble the ball out, right? You dribble the clock out and just wait for the buzzer to sound, right? Um, but that's not what Zion had in mind. And I'm going to play you guys the sound from that exact moment so you can hear the broadcasters at this point in time. So take a listen to this. Back it up. It's over. Pels. No, no, no. Get it done. And on the spin and the reverse, the slam by Zion. No, you didn't like it. So, so you heard the announcer, right? And he goes, no, 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 which was hilarious because I knew exactly why he was saying that. He didn't want Zion to score and just hold on to the, he, he didn't want Zion to score, right? He wanted him to just hold on to the ball and let the clock wind down. Now I'm going to play you Zion's post-game press conference explanation, right? Because he did talk about this at the end of that game in the press conference, right? Uh, just talking about uh, the situation, right? Why he did what he did and listen to this. Just, I mean, not trying to get you in trouble or anything, but the, but the dunk at the end, um, I guess, why did you decide to, to put that one up? That was a little out of character for me, but you got to understand. I mean, you can understand it or not. They sent my teammates home last year. I missed all last year. 
I got I got carried away a little bit. I admit that. But, you know, I was in that locker room. My brothers were down because, you know, the son sent us home last year. That, that's a tough moment to be a part of. So in that moment, I got carried away. I admit that. I was out of character for me. So, you know, if they was to do the same thing, I wouldn't have no problem with it. So obviously, I agree with this, right? How long have the Pelicans been a dog water franchise, right? Like how long has mediocrity been a thing for these fans, right? I'm all for it. This is Zion and the rest of the Pelicans showing that they have officially arrived in the league as a team that you definitely should worry about if you face them in a playoff series, right? So if you do something like that in the first matchup, right? Like, like this Zion dunk, at the end of the game, right? If you do something like that, you're going to expect the second matchup to be more intense, right? Especially after that. But guess what? The Pelicans beat the Suns again, right? So so talk about getting in a team's head. These Pelicans are all over the Suns' minds right now, right? So this is a nice little rivalry that we can all be super excited for going forward. You know, and another thing I want to say uh, to those of you that might think Zion's dunk is an unwritten rule that shouldn't be broken uh, he's been out for a long time, you know, hasn't been healthy. He's been awesome this season, you know, basically just kind of, uh, you know, what he said in that presser, basically, right? So, you know, he's just being expressive. Let him be him. He's enjoying the simple part of his career, which is just playing basketball, right? Like he's been away from it for so long. He's just establishing himself. Like he's just, it was an expressive dunk, right? Just, I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, I think that that sportsman stuff is corny. Uh, you know, when I go to the comment section on, on Instagram and things like that, you see a similar belief along the comments. A lot of people saying that that unwritten rule is very corny. You know, you're seeing in the comments, uh, I actually saw Gilbert Arenas uh, comment on one, of those, on one of those pages on Instagram, and he was saying, if you don't want Zion to do that, play defense, <laughs> right? And it was like the top comment. It had like the most likes. Um, but it's true, you know, it, it's just one of those things, like, if you're gonna hate on it, then play defense, right, like, don't, or, or, or don't even put up the shot, because the Suns actually attempted to score before that Zion dunk, with that, that was what led to the dunk, because it was like, um, it was a full court pass, right, it was an outlet pass to Zion at the end, after that Suns miss, um, so, you know, uh, just a tidbit about that, but I do want to talk about the second game, uh, which was the rematch, right, so, we have the rematch of the Suns Pelicans, right? But this time, there's no Devin Booker for Phoenix, right? Which was for resting reasons, right? Like, they're just, they're trying to rest him. You know, and Devin Booker, you know, not going to say he's a young, young player, but he's not old either, you know? So I'm, I'm really confused about that. This is a team that's making a push, and the race is very close, right? In terms of seeding and win-loss record. So it's very strange that they're resting him right now. Um, and still no Cam Johnson, right? So, but for the Pelicans, still no Brandon Ingram and no Herb Jones either, right? But it was a much better showing from the Suns bench in this game, right? So let me go straight to the box score uh, for the Suns. So Torrey Craig, 14 points, seven rebounds. Uh, you have DeAndre Ayton, another uh, awesome stat line, 28 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. You're looking at Mikhail Bridges, who killed the Pelicans in this game, even though they lost. Um, he had 27 points, but he was knocking down a lot of threes. Um, Chris Paul really struggled in this game. You know, uh, just 
oof, you know, I'll get into the struggles in a little bit. Um, but yeah, he didn't look good in this game. Um, I do want to say that, you know, like I said, the bench did show up a little bit, right? Damian Lee, uh, 12 points. You have Landell, 8.7 rebounds. Cameron Payne showed up this game, 17 points. So it was a nice little spread out game. You know, no Devin Booker, no Cam Johnson. Um, but, you know, Chris Paul really struggled in this game. Um, but what really stood out to me was watching DeAndre Ayton, right? Because he looked even more aggressive this game, right? And dominated back-to-back against these Pelicans because for this team to be at its best, Ayton needs to be great, right? He's the big piece of that puzzle, right? Other than the surrounding role, guys, because CP3 might not score in crazy bunches, like before, but he's going to get teammates involved, right? He's going to make the right reads. He's going to do Chris Paul things, right? So let's look at the box score for the Pelicans, right? Trey Murphy, 9.7 rebounds. Zion Williamson again, 35 points again on these guys' head, right? Eight rebounds, three assists, just dominated this game throughout. Uh, Eight points, 10 rebounds from Jonas Valanciunas. CJ McCollum had a big, big game, 29 points, seven assists. Um, you know, Larry Nance Jr. doing his thing, 15.7 rebounds. So, you know, it was a nice little spread, right, for this team. Um, so, you know, just beast activity from Zion. There was a specific play at the top of the key to beat the buzzer at the end of the second quarter. He has, uh, Zion has the ball, right, at the top of the key. And Torrey Craig is guarding him, right? There's five seconds left, okay? He goes through a couple of quick dribble moves, which... Also impressed me. He has a really good ball handle, right? And he, like I said, he goes through a couple of dribble moves and he's got about like three seconds left in this situation. And he pump fakes because he knows he has about two seconds left, right? And so Torrey Craig jumps out of the picture, right? So then Zion takes the shot. He misses, right? He misses, jumps right back up before everyone else to tip it in with one hand and beat the buzzer at the half. Just ridiculous motor. His athleticism is out of control. The more I watch him, the more amazed I am. You know, I always talk about Giannis. You know, just an athletic freak, John Morant. But I don't talk about Zion enough. You know, also, Zion's spin move is so quick. But it's crazy to see that if anyone gets in his way, they just bounce off of him. Right? Like ragdolls. Right? It's just insane to see how overpowering he really is. You know, and he's still so young. You know, watching these Pelicans games, it really made me think to myself, like, this has to be a top five most fun team to watch in the league. The lobs, the team play, multiple passes on possessions. I mean, the excitement when the guys score. Like, I saw CJ McCollum. He got a dunk on a fast break, and it wasn't a crazy dunk, right? But the Suns called a timeout after that dunk, and here comes Jose Alvarado screaming and running on the court to hug CJ McCollum, right? This team, they just have such life around them. Like, these guys are full of life and energy, and watching this season for them, basketball's back on the map for them, and I was pretty high on this team when I did my reasons to watch, like that mini-series for each team. But this team exceeded my expectations, right? Like, I, I, I knew they would be good. I knew they'd be solid. I did not think they'd be this good. Um, you know, any defense, any defensive stop that this team gets, it's off to the races, right? Like, these guys are ready to run any moment that they force a turnover. 
that's just probably the most fun thing to watch about them, right? Like I said, this team has to be a top five must watch team. But to me personally, this team has climbed into my top three, like most fun teams to watch on League Pass for me. Right now, and the Suns were up in this game for a little bit, right? I thought, okay, the Suns are probably going to win this game. They have more of a chip on their shoulder. They're mad about the Zion dunk uh, from before, right? And, you know, but the Pelicans got ahead and they held their lead up until the fourth quarter, right? Where the Suns mounted a comeback. Uh, the Pelicans were overhelping on drives time and time again, which caused open threes. Mikhail Bridges was awesome, just shooting the lights out in this game, um, you know, continuing to show his high value as a player in general and as a player for the Suns. Uh, Chris Paul wasn't good, though. And like I wanted to get into, you know, three for 10 from the field, 0 for three from three, right? He had 11 assists. You know, and the passes that don't show up on the stat sheet, of course, when you're watching the game. Um, but, you know, he just couldn't get by anybody off the dribble, right? Just like turning and turning and turning his body to try to get around guys, just really looking his age. You know, but to be fair, he did knock down the important mid-range jumper in the fourth quarter, right? To send it to overtime. Now, Zion had a chance to win the game with a wide open mid-range jumper, but it's just not his game yet right? It's just not his game yet. Uh, he missed the shot. Game went to OT. But I want to mention uh, before the OT, there was like 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Zion attacked the rim, right? He beat his defender, which caused DeAndre Ayton to show so he can help down low. Um, and he drew the sixth foul on DeAndre Ayton. So DeAndre Ayton fouled out before overtime. So this is something that needs to be talked about more when it comes to Zion. So even if you have a defensive center, like an elite rim protector, um, Zion can really put the person in foul trouble, right, with his aggression, which is another reason why he's so special. You know, but OT was pretty much a Pelican smooth run, right? No DeAndre Ayton down low. I mean, that's free food and an exhausted CP3, right? It was the first time, it was the first overtime win uh, for the Pelicans this season, actually. So that was cool. Um, but I do want to mention, you know, I glossed over this team when I was talking about true contenders, you know, I'm just honestly worried about Zion long term, you know, as well as my concerns about this team just being a little too young, right, for true contender status. But this team gets Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram back into the mix. Just watch out for this team. You don't want to match up with these guys in the first round, whatever seed they end up in. Um, but side note about Larry Nance Jr., Right? I feel like I'm going all over the place with this team, but it's just so many things go into my head. Right, So side note about Larry Nance Jr., former Laker. You know I'm a Laker fan. I was telling people back in the day when Larry Nance Jr. was on the Lakers that this guy, if he just gets a respectable jumper, he's going to be on point in this era. Right, Because pick and pop, pick and roll, strong screens, he catches lobs, he can get out and run, he has quick feet. He, he's a perfect fit for any team in the league, and the Pelicans have him. You know, just awesome, awesome player to have. Awesome role player, selfless player, super team guy, just an awesome guy to have on your team. Um, also, the Pelicans are going to play the Suns again this Saturday, December 17th, so I'm going to definitely watch that game. I don't care if I have to watch that game on my phone. That is a must-watch game. For anyone that hasn't watched these two recent games between the Pelicans and the Suns, 
you have to watch the game on Saturday because that one's probably going to be intense. I wouldn't be surprised if a fight broke out. Um, I'm not trying to to put any bad juju out there, but that that little mini little mini regular season series has been awesome. Um, but I want to move on to the last part of this episode, uh, and I want to talk about something that randomly caught my attention. Right, I saw AJ Griffin on a highlight reel, right? Rookie for the Atlanta Hawks. He made his second game winner, right? On Sunday against the Bulls, right? And it got me thinking. So first of all, shout out to AJ Griffin for continuing to be solid, right? Just a solid draft pick for the Hawks. He's been struggling from three, right? Like that game against the Bulls, two for 11 from three, right? Which was obvious, an obvious struggle. Um, And he has been struggling, this season from three, but the three was his strong suit in college, right? He was an awesome three-point shooter. He shot 44% from three for Duke, which I was looking on college stats earlier uh, before I started recording this pod. Um, But this segment isn't about AJ Griffin, right? It's about the Chicago Bulls. So 11 and 15 record, right? Looking like a disaster. You're starting to hear the trade rumors, people making fake trades, uh, different podcast, uh, different podcasts already talking about what the Bulls should do and where people should move around. I'm here to just say what I would do if I'm in the Bulls front office, right? So if I'm in the front office, I'm thinking we had a good run last season. We surprised everyone. We got smacked by the Bucks in the first round, which everyone expected to happen. The Lonzo Ball thing is a massive question mark right? I mean, where are you going from here, right? Like I said, 11 and 15 in the East, it doesn't look like you're really going to climb out of that. And even if you do, are you really going to even win a first round series? And even if you do, you're not going to get out of the second round. You know, this is a disappointing team. Um, and I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a, at an article here on hoops hype, um, or no, hoopsrumors.com is what I see here, which is one of the top searches on Google. Um, it's a pretty good uh, website, actually. There's a lot of good stuff on it. Um, and one of these things I'm reading is, is a quote, right? And it says, everyone is watching Chicago very closely, right? An NBA source told uh, the person here for the article. They're so poorly constructed, they need to blow it up, right? And as a Laker fan, I'm seeing a bunch of Laker rumors, right? That Lakers are trying to part ways uh, with their two first-round picks from 2027 and 2029, along with Westbrook, uh, who obviously is a buyout candidate. Um, you know, someone that you know, t- people that don't understand the trade market, right? Let me explain. People that think, oh, you know, the Lakers are trying to trade Russ, but Russ isn't good, and what are teams going to do with him? It's not about Russ as a player, right? Their tra- Russell Westbrook is an expiring contract. So whatever team trades for him, it's free cap space when he's gone, right? Like, like they need to, you guys need to understand this, right? You, I'm seeing this in the comments over and over and over again. Why would anyone trade for Russ? Why would anyone trade for Russ? No one's trading for Russ. They're trading for the contract, it expires this season, so once he's off the books, you have cap space. Not only that, you also have the two picks from the Lakers. Now, I'm not trying to say, wow, it's such an amazing package the Lakers are giving you, but I will say this, a 2027 first-round pick, a 2029 first-round pick, those picks are so far out far out that they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be solid picks, right? And you're going to get cap space without Russ on when Russ goes off the books. Right now, what I will say is is that the best trade package 
for DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, right? Because that's what I'm seeing all over the place. Oh, DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic, right? DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic, like that's all you're seeing when it comes to this trade. And if I'm the Lakers, I guess, I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I think that's a good trade for the Lakers. Do I think it's a good trade for the Bulls? I feel like you could get more for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, maybe not Vucevic. I do like Vucevic. He's a solid contributor. He can score. Um, that's pretty much it. He's not going to defend, but he can score. You know, uh, he can rebound and he can score, and that's really important. Um, but DeMar DeRozan's the bigger name in this package. Now, you're also seeing uh, Zach Levine as a trade candidate, right? That's probably the biggest piece on this team. Now, what's going to make it hard is obviously you know, the big contract for Zach Levine, you know, he's, I mean, he's a max guy, right? So, so that limits your ability to move around, right? But a lot of teams are probably willing to trade for Zach Levine. So what I'm saying is, if I'm in the front office, I'm just going to blow this up. Like, why prolong this, right? Like, just be bad now, right? Get into the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes, you're 11 and 15, you can really get ahead of that. If you make a trade now, right? If you blow it up right now, you know, you have 11 wins, which is still, still really good for tanking reasons, right? 11 wins is not, is not, I mean, it doesn't put you out of the ballpark for a high pick. So, um, you know, you could really get in those sweepstakes um, if you blow it up now, right? So they have a lot of decisions to make. I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, is anyone really going to argue with me and tell me that the Bulls should just keep it rolling? Like, make a run for the playoffs and, and try to win games? Like, what's the point if you're going to lose in the first round anyway? Or the second round, right? Like, this team is not getting out of the second round. So what's the point, right? You're getting, an, you're getting you know, uh, DeMar DeRozan aging, Vucevic aging. So it's like, move these pieces while they're hot. Reconstruct the team. Blow it up. Like get some picks, get draft capital, right? Like, like get things that can get you moving in the next direction, right? Uh, I don't, I just don't, this team isn't built properly. It's like the article says, right? That people around the league say that they're poorly constructed, right? So obviously I'm not the only person that thinks that there's a lot of people that believe that this team's a mess, you know, uh, but that's all the things I wanted to talk about. Um, in the next couple of days, I'm going to be doing a couple more interviews, those interviews are going to be on the YouTube channel, which I always leave in the link in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, obviously, I will be trying to put out another pod maybe over the weekend since I'm going to be doing interviews during the week. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty packed schedule in terms of working on this pod uh, for YouTube and for the Spotify, at least this week right um but yeah that's gonna do it for this episode this is the all things basketball podcast i'm your host vic lopez as always and i'll catch you guys on the next one